Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Once again, I'd like to call our attention to the book of James. James chapter number 1. We began this series uh, last week and uh, covered basically an introduction of the book of James. Uh, As we sang this morning, as we were going through the songs that we were, you were reminded over and over again of the love of God. You were reminded over and over again of the God who watches out for you, and you were called... Uh, in the songs that we sang, you were called to look to Him, to see Him. And that's our desire, is that we might see Him and see His completeness, see His sufficiency. Uh, And that's what the book of James is about. That's what James was calling us to do, is to continually over and over again to be called back to look at Christ. If we misunderstand these verses or we misinterpret these verses that we're going to be covering, you're going to be called to look within rather than look without. And many places and many pulpits would preach to you to look within in these verses. But that's not what James is saying. He's asking us to look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith. He's asking us to look to Him and be comforted, to look to Him and be encouraged. And if we're not careful and we look at these the wrong way, we will walk away discouraged. And that's not what James wants, nor is that what God wants, nor is that what we want this morning as you've come to be in this place. James chapter number 1, we'll read verse number 2 down through verse number 4, and we'll pray and get into the message. Verse number 2, the Bible said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Let's pray. Father, this morning, as we look into your word, as we look into the message that you have for us from the book of James this morning, I pray that you might draw our hearts and minds in to be stayed upon Thee. Lord, I pray that You would do in our hearts what You would have to be done, and for this we'll give You the honor, the glory, and the praise, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are not, and, and, and the big 
subject, I guess, here in this these verses of Scripture is the fact of trials, temptations, uh, finding joy in these trials, finding joy in these temptations that we face and the temptations that we go through. We're not meant to carry these temptations or to carry these trials alone. Most of the time, if we would be honest with ourselves, most of the time when we face trials, when we face temptations, we tend to get alone and get by ourselves. We don't want anyone else to know that we're going through the middle of trials. We don't want anybody else to know that we're facing the middle of temptations. We don't want anybody else to uh, to know that we're weak is basically what it is. We don't want anyone else to know that we're having struggles when each of us are going to face struggles. That's what James is telling us, and we're going to get into that in just a moment. James is instructing us that we are going to face trials. And we're going to get into why that is. But understand that this whole series that we're going through in the book of James is instructing us in the way of wisdom. He's telling us how to have wisdom. We looked at last week how that that way of wisdom is what? It's faith. And that faith that is the way of wisdom, that faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. That faith in Christ teaches us what? It teaches us to love God and to love our neighbor. That's what that faith does within us. It teaches us how to love God and how to love our neighbor. How does it do that? It does that by displaying God's love for us. Because the more we see God's love for us, the greater we can love those around us. We had mentioned last week that if we do not understand the love of God for us, then we can't understand how to love our neighbor. We won't know how. The Bible said we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So if we don't comprehend, if we don't understand, if we don't continually draw ourselves back to see the love of God for us, we're not going to know how to love each other. And if we don't know how to love each other, we're definitely not going to be able to help each other in the midst of trials, in the midst of temptations, in the midst of those things that we face in this world. In order for us to have joy in these trials, we need to look at some things that James tells us in verse number 2. And if we're going to look at this and understand it correctly, then the best way to look at it is start from the tail end of verse number 2 and back up through verse number 2. Understand some things from verse number 2. The first thing that we need to understand is this word divers temptations, divers trials, various trials. This word divers that we find here in the Scriptures 
is the same word that is mentioned and talked about when it's talking about Joseph's coat of many colors. It, it was various colors. It was different kinds. I think we, we have the misunderstanding sometimes that the only way that we can grow spiritually is when we have spiritual battles. That's not so. James is telling us that we're going to face different battles. We're going to face various battles. They, they don't all have to be spiritual battles in order for them to teach us what he's telling us we need to learn from these trials. Understand that they're various. It can be difficulties that we face in our life. And all those, although those do tend to pull on the, the, the spiritual aspect of our life, they don't necessarily have to be something we face in the ministry, if you will. We look at others and we think, well, they face this in the ministry. That's the kind of battle they're talking about. James is talking about every battle that we face, every trial that we face, every temptation that we face. We, we mentioned in our uh, confession and assurance this morning, we mentioned the fact that we are what? We are a sinful people. We've met together in a sinful world. We've collectively come together as a group of sinful people and we've called ourselves together to do what? To look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We didn't come together this morning to look within. We came to look without. It was mentioned even in our devotions, in our psalms, in everything that we did this morning, it was alluded to that we needed not a horizontal relationship we need a vertical relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that vertical relationship is that which is going to help us in these divers temptations these divers trials that you and I are going to face it means that there are trials of all kinds he also was telling us not if but he said here in verse number two uh, he said, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. He didn't say, count it all joy if. He said, count it all joy when. Can I just be honest with you this morning? If you haven't faced them, you're going to face them. <laughs> the, the reality is, and the probability is, you're probably in the middle of some now. You're probably going through some even as we speak. If you are not going through them now, you are going into some or you've just come out of some. Why? Because we are going to face battles. Why are we going to face battles? Because we live in a sinful world. We live, uh, we, we're, we're sinners living in a sinful world and we're going to face these battles. They will come. We will face them. We live in a world that is cursed by sin which produces suffering and trials. The very fact that sin entered into this world brings about suffering. It brings about trials. 
when when Adam and when Adam sinned in the garden, what was done? What had to be done for them to be clothed? There was an animal that had to suffer. When sin entered into this world, it brought suffering. It brought pain. It brought trials. It brought uh, temptations. It brought tribulations. First Peter chapter 4 and verse number 12 through verse number 16 says this, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Don't think it's strange. It's not strange. It's ordinary for us to go through trials. It's ordinary for us to face battles. He tells us in verse number 13, he said, But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed in you, ye may be glad also with exceeding what? Joy. He's telling us to be glad with exceeding joy in the middle of those trials. It's amazing to me. And when we mentioned this last week, Peter was the, the pastor of the first church. And he faced trials. James is talking about trials. Peter and James both are writing to the same group of people and he's talking to them. They're both talking to them about what? Trials. Tribulations, hard times, difficult times that they're facing. He tells them in verse number 14 of 1 Peter chapter 4, he tells them, If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of the glory of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Fiery trials, difficult times, hard and difficult times that come upon you. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 3 and 4, it said that no man shall be removed by these afflictions for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily... When we were with you, we told you before that ye should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. You're going to suffer tribulation as a child of God. You're going to suffer tribulation in this world, even if you aren't a child of God. But you are, as a child of God, going to suffer tribulation. The Bible tells us that. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 22 and 23 says this, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. We're going to face trials. We're going to go through trials. He tells us that we're going to have different types of trials and that we are going to go through these trials. 
That's what James is telling us. We are going to face them. There's going to be different types. They're not all going to be the same. We're not going to have a cookie cutter, uh, a cookie cutter trial where we can uh, we can look at the one, two, threes that the person before us went through, and we can get through them ourselves. Our trial is particular unto us. We're, we're, we, we don't have, I, this morning I don't have a one, two, three answer for the trials that you face. Because the trials that you face are unique to you. I do have a one answer and I'll give you that here in just a moment. But I'm, I'm going to tell you this morning that we're going to face trials. We're going to go through difficult times. We're going to face hard times. There is what is known in, in the world today, there is what is known as a theology of the cross, and, and it is contrary to the uh, theology of glory. And, and let me explain that to you, and it may help us clarify this passage of Scripture, may help us see it more clearly. An author put it this way about uh, the theology of glory. He said it the theology of glory operates on the assumption that what we need is an optimistic encouragement. It operates on the assumption that we are not sincerely addicted to sin and that our improvement is both necessary and possible. We need a little boost in our desire to do good. This is the theology of glory. Of course the theology of glory. Will admit to you. That you need a little bit of help from grace. Well, The theology of glory tells you. You need a little bit of help from grace. The theology of the cross is going to tell you. That you need all the help from grace. That all that help comes from God. As we look at that, as we consider the theology of the cross, on the other hand, is the knowledge that we cannot help by being optimistically uplifting. We, we are not going to help ourselves by appeals for glory. We're not going to help ourselves by looking inward for our strength. I don't need to lift myself up by my bootstraps. To be honest with you, I have no bootstraps to lift up. If I'm to be lifted up, I'm to be lifted up by the grace of God and by the grace of God alone. The theology of the cross is denying its suffering. It's painful. And all of that is so that we might see the sufficiency of Christ. He tells us here in this verse, he tells us that there will be temptations. He tells us that there will be, that, that you and I will fall into these trials and these temptations. But then he tells us this. He said, count it all joy. Count it all joy. Trials are a norm in the world of sin. 
We will face trials constantly, no matter what our religious bent. No matter what we think religiously, we're going to face trials. There's not a person, no matter what they thought religiously, that did not face trials because of what they thought religiously. You don't get away from trials just because of what you think. Trials will come. James tells us to count it all joy and not to dread these trials. James is not in this passage of Scripture. A lot of people would take this passage of Scripture and they would look inwardly. And they would tell you that if you didn't face these trials right, you just didn't have enough faith. James is not saying that. James is saying these trials come to build your faith. It's not so that you can have enough faith to go through these trials. It's these trials come that they might build your faith. James tells us to count it all joy, not dread. He tells us how we should, not how we should feel, but how we should think. He's not telling us how we should feel. We, we have a misconception sometimes that Joy is an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Joy in Scripture is not an emotion. Joy is not happiness. That's not what joy is. Joy is not an emotion. Joy can be held in the midst of sorrow. You can be in the middle of the hardest time in your life and still have joy. It's not an emotion. It's a fact. Joy is based on one thing. Joy is based on the gospel of Jesus Christ and that alone. We get our joy because of the sufficiency of Christ. We get our joy because of what Christ has done. We get our joy because of what is done, not what needs to be done. Joy is based upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not a circumstance. Gospel is news of what has been done. It's finished. Christ made that statement on the cross. He said, it is finished. He's done it. Christ is sufficient. He is sufficient for our salvation. He is sufficient for our sanctification. He is sufficient for us to face our joys with. Christ is sufficient. And He's the one we should be looking to. What did Nehemiah say in Nehemiah 8 and verse number 10? Nehemiah made this statement. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You say, well, he just, he was caught up in everything that was going good. No, if you read about Nehemiah, he, <laughs> Nehemiah lost his mind and pulled his hair out dealing with the children of God. But he said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> he said, I can keep going, not because I'm looking at all these things around me, but because my focus is right. How many times have we said here, how many times have we mentioned in preaching here that we got to have our focus right? 
We've got to be looking in the right direction if we're going to get help. And that direction is the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't look anywhere else. My help doesn't come within me, in myself. My help doesn't come with those around me. My help comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him alone. He was basically saying, in fact, He said, the, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If you, wanted to, if you wanted to reword that, you know what Nehemiah was saying? He was saying the promise of the Lord is my strength. What is our strength? Our strength is, is having joy in the promises of what God has given us. Even Jesus Christ Himself shared in our sorrow. Joy is not a state of being when one places their hope on something beyond themselves. It, it, it is when we place our hope on something that is unshakable and unmovable. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not placing our hope on ourselves, but we're placing our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus shared our sorrow. Jesus went into the garden before the crucifixion. He went into the garden and the Bible tells us what He prayed. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. What was that cup that He was praying about? It was the cup of the wrath of God. He was not, Jesus was not concerned about the cat and nine tails. Jesus was not concerned about the beating that he was going to take from the hands of man. His concern was drinking the wrath of God. The wrath of God because of our sinfulness. Jesus Christ took upon Himself that wrath so that you and I could walk free. He bore that in Himself. He took that wrath. The full wrath of God Jesus Christ took upon the cross so you and I could go free. Joy is a state of being in Christ and recognizing ourselves in Christ and being unmovable in Christ. The writer of Hebrews tells us this way. And, and if you get a hold of this, and if you understand what James is saying here in this passage of Scripture, the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 has a whole new meaning to it. When he says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross and is set down on the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. For the joy that was set before Him what was the joy that was set before Christ? He told us in John chapter number 17, he, all the Father gave unto him, he lost none of them. 
those that were given to him by the Father so that he could redeem them, so that he could reconcile them, so that he could draw them back in the fellowship so that they could be with him throughout all eternity. Jesus said for the joy that was set before him. He endured the suffering. He endured the cross. Despising the shame. But he endured the cross. Why? Because of the promise of God. God gave to his son a people so that God the son could give those people back to the father. So that we could spend eternity with him. Joy is connected. It is completely connected and cannot be severed from the promises of God. That's the reason James said, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Because that, in turn, will cause us to turn our eyes to Jesus. What did we sing this morning? Turn your eyes unto Jesus. Look full into His wonderful face. Turn your eyes to the hillside. Where mercy, where, where, where mercy embraced, we're to turn our eyes to Jesus. James is not trying to, James is not trying to smoke out the nominal Christian. He's not trying to say, look at everybody around you, and if they go through trials and they don't have enough faith to go through those trials, they're not God's. He's not trying to smoke out the nominal Christian. He's trying to encourage you. He's trying to comfort you that that faith is in Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus Christ alone. We should not see trials as a test of our faith, but a means of building our faith. Trials... Trials does not come along to test your faith. Trials come along to build your faith. What did did he tell? We're we're to build each other up on our most holy faith. What is that faith? That faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not in what I've done. It's not in whether I've got my hair cut right, whether I'm wearing the right clothes, whether I'm going to the right places, whether I'm spitting white, or whether I'm associating with everybody that does. That's not what it's about. It's about looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It is not to test my faith. When I go through a trial, it is not to find out whether or not I'm I'm good enough to go through that trial. Because if I'm completely honest with you this morning, every trial I've ever faced, if that were the case, I failed. And I failed miserably. But looking at it, how James looks at it, the trials that I go through, I can look to one who does not fail. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. I can look to Him the author, he is the author and finisher of my faith. I didn't start it, and I'm not going to finish it. 
He's the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm not. It's not that I can get a case of do better. It's not. Listen, I am a failure, but Jesus is not. I am, I, am, I am a complete and utter failure when it comes to living for God. But Jesus is not. And I find myself in Him. And the more that I see myself in Him, and the more that I recognize that I'm in Him, the more that I want to love Him. Because He first loved me. That is what James is telling us. That's what he's telling these believers. He's telling them, don't look at yourself, but look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus Christ is sufficient. You don't know me like I know me. And I promise you, if you hang around me long enough, I will let you down. Because I still have this flesh. But I can point you to one that won't let you down. He's the author. He's the finisher of your faith. Of my faith. James is not saying look within. He's saying look without. Look to Him. Look to Christ. Because He is Sufficient. Let's pray.